Welcome, everyone, to It Tastes Different Gaming Podcast, the podcast with three different flavors coming from three different gamers. I am your host, Patrick Smith, and I want to welcome my co-hosts, Shane Eisterhold and Nick Irwin. Hey, Patrick. Where can they find us? Well, the first place you should check out is our website at ittastedifferent.com. This is the place where you can subscribe to all of our streams and connect to all of our social media sites. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at It Tastes Different. Uh, we're also on Instagram uh, at It Tastes Different PC. And then last but not least is Twitter, where you can find us at It Tastes Diff. What's on the menu for today? We tried the shellfish with Mortal Shell. Mortal Shell is an action RPG game that tests your sanity and resilience in a shattered world. Uh, the game was developed by Cold Symmetry and published by Playstack. It was released on August 18th on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Microsoft Windows uh, through the Epic Game Store. So I will turn this one over to, le- to Nick and let him know what his thoughts, let us know what his thoughts were first on the game. I love it. It's a great game. <laughs> Like Patrick said, it's Dark Souls inspired, so it's very much like Dark Souls. If you like that type of game, you'll like this type of game. It's difficult, but not impossible to beat. It's a really cool looking world and a really cool idea about the shell itself. So basically, you are a shell of a person, pretty much, and you can inhabit other shells or basically other people, people that are dead. In the game, you there's four different shells that you can take over. Uh, the first one that you find is Heros, and he's the first shell you'll get starting the game, and he's pretty much the middle-of-the-road type of shell. You know, everything's kind of 5 out of 10, 50-50, down the middle. Uh, so he's good if you like that type of gameplay, if you like to be kind of uh, having, you know, a certain amount of uh, health and a certain amount of uh, stamina. And just kind of keeping that middle-of-the-road type of feel. For me, uh, he wasn't really my cup of tea. And not the way I like to play. But they have other shells. They have Teal. And he is more of a rogue-type shell. Basically, the character plays like a rogue. He has a ton of stamina. He's pretty much maxed out on stamina. He doesn't have as much health. But he has a really cool... uh, He's really quick. He has a lot of stamina, so he can roll out of the way of attacks and dodge and be able to dodge. And when he rolls away, he does this really cool uh, shadow kind of disappearing move. Then you have Solomon. Uh, Solomon is a shell that has more health than Haros, but has the same amount of stamina. So he's got more health than, than uh, Haros, but the same amount of stamina. So he's pretty good if you like... If you're wanting a little bit more health, but kind of like the character of Haros, um, but you're wanting something that just can survive a little bit longer. And then the last one is Eldrum, and he is pretty much the tank. Uh, he has the full amount of health, but he has very small pool of stamina. And that's the one I used uh, in the game. And I did finish the game. Now, all of these shells do have an ability called Resolve. They all have different amounts. Uh, Haros is, again, down the middle with his resolve. Uh, Till has very little resolve. Solomon, he has the max amount of resolve. And Eldrum has about as much as Till does as far as their resolve. What the resolve does is the resolve is for weapon abilities. Um, your different weapons, there's four different weapons in the game. In the game there's a sword that you start out with. Uh, it's kind of like a broadsword. Uh, it's really good weapon, 
really cool abilities. It has this spear ability that kind of shoots a spear out of the bottom of it that you can hit people with. It does a lot of damage. Um, then you have a chisel and hammer, which is a real fast and quick uh, weapon. It doesn't do a ton of damage, but you know if you combine it with the rogue or with teal, um, you know you could throw out a lot of hits uh, using all that stamina that he has. The other one is his big spear. It's kind of like a molten spear. It's like all glowing and has lava flowing out of it. It's really cool looking. You can hit a lot of enemies with it. it does a lot of sweeping attacks. So it's good for for if you would like to fight in big groups uh, of enemies at a time. And then the last one is this giant two-handed sword. Uh, the two-handed sword is good for groups as well, but it's very slow. Uh, it does a lot of damage, but it takes a lot to swing the sword and get the sword off. So you would want to use someone that possibly has a lot of stamina. Or maybe someone that, maybe not, maybe someone that has a low amount of stamina. You just want to do the maximum amount of damage. And so maybe that sword is for you. For me, like I said, I use Eldrum, and I use the uh, sword that you start out with to finish the game. But ultimately, it's it's a great game. If you're a fan of Dark Souls or like those kind of harder action adventures, uh, it's kind of hard starting out on the game. But once you learn the mechanics of each of the shells and kind of pick which shell you are accustomed to playing with in most games, then you'll find yourself having a better experience with it overall. Uh, what did you guys think? Shane, what did you think of this game? Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet pain. That game about killed me. But that game was so much better than Hellpoint. Both are very Dark Souls-like, uh, except for Mortal Shell didn't feel like it was hard for the sake of being hard. It was hard because... It wants you to learn those mechanics you were talking about. It wants you to develop those skills to, you know, to defeat the characters. And it's not that you can't do it. Like Hellpoint made it, you know, just obviously hard for just that reason. This one made it hard to develop skills when you play it. Like I said, when we start Hellpoint, oh God, I can't handle those games. Same with this one. I cannot handle a game that difficult. It's, Basically, it's my stress levels. The game itself, good-looking game, controlled very well. Uh, great characters. Uh, like the environments. Um, it's just not my kind of game. Uh, I enjoyed everything about it except for the difficulty. If there was a, a if there was a dumbed-down level of difficulty, I would enjoy that game so much more. But, you know, it's just not me. I've said that, you know, about a lot of those types of games. I just don't have the patience for all of that learning just to advance to a next level. Just don't have that kind of patience. But I definitely recommend it to people that like the Dark Souls type of games. I definitely recommend it. I enjoyed it for what it is up to the difficulty part. But that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I will agree. I, I these These games are obviously not my type of game neither, but when I first played this, um, after the first hour or two, I hated it. I mean, I, I hated it with a passion. And it, it's because it's hard. But what ended up happening was is that Nick played a lot more of it and ended up, you know, uh, him and I spoke. And the problem that I have with these games and the problem that I think that these games have with people like me is that they don't lead you anywhere. You don't you, they don't you basically have to figure it all out on your own. Um, and that's a problem for me because at some point I get frustrated with it 
And I either get to the point where I either have to look something up or I just feel I'm done. I don't want to waste my time looking up how to play a game when the game should teach me how to do its mechanics and teach me how to do its things because that's what games do. So Nick and I ended up talking for a couple of hours one night about playing the game, and he ran me through a couple of the scenarios and a couple of things that uh, you know you need to look out for and to learn. And I will be quite honest, it changed my opinion of the game. I ended up playing quite a bit of it. I got all the souls or all the shells except for teal, and and it's because I still haven't um, still haven't gotten in the groove of of the big guys yet, the bosses and stuff like that. The trash mobs, I've gotten to the point where I can pretty much mow through them and you know use them to farm up to get enough tar to to level up my character and, you know, get some abilities and stuff, you know, Nick, Nick ran me through a little bit of the stuff that the game just doesn't tell you. That is, in my opinion, need to know information that you shouldn't have to discover on your own and just kind of blindly get led into, you know, I got, uh, Nick was talking to me about the quenching acids to go and get your sword upgraded. And I went and I found the way to get, you know, one of them from an area. And then I came back and bought one because I had enough tar and, and I was working on the third one. Uh, you know, the first boss that you really get to go into is that, what, Griska, I think is his name. I mean, and, and immediately when I played right. the game, I started at the point, got Haros, was wandering in a straight line, and inevitably that straight line led me right to Griska when I first played. I completely missed the tower, everything, and I'm like, I tried Griska like eight times, and I'm like, this guy is not beatable because I'm looking at it from a Dark Souls-like aspect where... I just need to learn his mechanics, and I can beat him no matter what gear I have. And this game doesn't seem to tend to be that much to an extent. You know, uh, Griska wrecked me so many times, and then I came back. You know, and and I went and I got, I found out. Nick was Nick kind of told me where to find El- Erdrim and Solomon uh, their shells, and and like Nick plays a lot with Erdrim, but I play mostly with Solomon. I find that Solomon, because of his higher, because of his you know a little bit higher on certain things, is a better play for me. And and honestly, that changed my opinion of the game. Instead of me hating the game, it's a very hard game that, that I just have to make more time to play, and I want to play, instead of outright just hating the game. You know, I've had trouble getting to Teal because of the, the health-barred enemies are a little bit too hard for me still, and I'm not I'm not patient enough to learn the mechanics, is what I should probably say. But but overall, the game looks... The dark greediness of the game is awesome. The, the trash mobs, once you learn them... There's no variation to them, which kind of gets to me a little bit. You know, you you learn that the big guys with like the the Silent Hill type cone on their head, you know, they they always lead in with the same moves, and then the 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 smaller guys lead in with the same moves, you know. So it it, it tends to get a little repetitive, but it's also not a very big game, and it's also not a very expensive game. So I think it's the right price uh, for the game, and the controls are are pretty tight in this game. I don't feel like there's a lot of sloppiness in the controls or the movement or anything like I did with um, with Hellpoint. Yeah, I think that I would agree. I think the game is uh, really smooth with the controls. Um, <clears throat> it is a mechanics game, right? Um, much like Dark Souls. Dark Souls is very much mechanical in the sense that you've got to learn how each enemy and boss attacks and their attacking animations. One thing about Mortal Shell is a lot of the enemies have the same type of attacking animations. And after you fight them for a while, you can learn what an enemy is going to do. As soon as you come up to a trash mob or even the bosses, by their certain animations, you know they're going to either come at you and swing or they're going to come in quick with some sort of like spear, stab move, uh, or something like that, or the bosses are going to come at you and try to, uh, to pick you up or something like that. So you, you can see those animations. So it's really about playing the game and just learning 
what each NPC or what each uh, enemy is going to do to attack you. And then once you get that down, you can dodge or or harden, in this case, for the mechanic that this game has. Now, we didn't talk about hardening. So one of the cool mechanics that this game has compared to Dark Souls is Dark Souls is a lot of dodging and uh, backstabbing. Uh, This game didn't have any sort of backstabbing that I could see, but it did have a move called hardening. And what hardening does is basically you pull the, on the Xbox, you would pull the left trigger, and that would harden your character. And you're basically, your character turns to stone, and you can take hits without taking damage. So you can harden... What the, the cool thing about the ability is you can harden any time, even mid swing of a weapon, you can harden. And when you come out of that harden, you'll continue to swing your weapon. So that's really cool. If an enemy, if you're starting to swing and you notice the enemy is coming in and he's going to hit you, you can then go ahead and hit the button to harden, take that hit where it doesn't damage you, and then come out of your harden and still hit the enemy. So it's a really cool mechanic, and I really liked it. It's a little, it's a little hard to get used to, but once you get used to the hardening and figuring out how it works and how it can interact with the bosses and the enemies, you can really use it to your advantage. So I think that was a really cool mechanic, and I'd like to see something like that in other games. Uh, they don't have to do the same type of thing, but you know, something like that. Yeah, the, the hardening was cool. Um, you know, it. it Unfortunately, it's a, it was a little bit difficult for me because I'm not a claw gamer. You know, I don't have the claw set up when I when I play it. When I play an Xbox game, I don't use my my pointer and my middle finger. You know, to game my 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 pointer fingers basically do the trigger and the button. So I'm used to in both games parrying for like a perfect parry, which this game has a perfect parry, and you and you spend your resolve to do a, a massive attack. So I'm pretty good at that type of stuff, but the hardening always got me because I'm like trying to swap my finger really quick mid-swing to avoid a damage, a massive damage that can't be can't be parried from a boss, you know? So that was a little bit difficult for me, but I do agree. If you get into, a, like, I could always run into a big group of mobs, get a couple of uh, light swings off, and then get midpoint into my heavy swing when I notice they're going to hit me and just harden immediately. And the nice thing about like trash mobs and lower and lower mobs that aren't bosses, they hit you while you're hardened. It staggers them so that you can come in and kind of finish them off. So the staggering right. thing was kind of cool. Yeah, it has a lot of cool mechanics and a lot of mechanics. Like you said, you do have to find out and figure out yourself. But once you do, you know, for me, when I first started this game, it was hard. It was very hard. And I and I and I kind of didn't like it because it was, seemed like it was so difficult. But. Once I learned the mechanics and learned how everything worked, it ended up being super easy. I, after I learned all the... I was probably dying 10, 20 times on just trash mobs, just mobs sitting around in the area. And once I learned everything, the things I taught you about, I died maybe three times after that and completed the game. So, right. <laughs> you know, once I learned everything, it was it was no sweat. I could right. get through it. And that's what I say. This game, these games are not, uh, you know, I have patience to some extent. I don't have the patience of a saint like Nick does. But I, I, I think games like this probably need to have multiple types of modes. They need to have the, the harder modes for like Nick, and they need to have the mm. modes for players who just want to play like me and Shane. Because uh, I want to play it, and I want to play through the story and, and play through the game and see all the stuff the game has to offer. But at some point, I just get frustrated when you when you tackle the same boss for like the seventh or eighth time, and you're just like, "What am I doing that I can't beat this?" You know. 
So, and, and so I, I do think a lot of it tends to be not knowing. Because like I said, after I talked to Nick, he completely changed my opinion of the game after we discussed some stuff that I completely didn't look at and overlooked. And when, you know, when the game does that to you, you just, I just get to the point where I shut down. I'm like, well, I'm gonna go play something else that actually I feel like I can make progress in. Um, but like I said, Nick and I, have, when Nick and I talked, I think I've explored, I know where just about everything is on the map, um, you know, uh, uh, besides having gone in and fighting like Baghead or Gorf, I've tried a couple of times to fight Griska, but just haven't been able to take him down yet. But I know where all the dungeons are now and, and stuff like that and and stuff like that. So the game not helping you out is a hindrance for players like me, you know, which I understand that's the Dark Souls thing, but there needs to be some modes like, Hey, we got a we got a guy here who's not big into this, but wants to play our game. Maybe we need a map mode. Maybe we need a tutorial mode or or a learn the game mechanics mode type thing. But you know, I I don't know how many more people they would pull in by putting stuff in there, but it would definitely be a big help for somebody like me because I played it for a couple hours and I was done until me and Nick played. And I probably put uh, after me and Nick talked about, it, I probably put another eight eight hours into this game playing it, just running around killing trash mob, building up my tar and. And, and, you know, so I can buy more stuff and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So the game is fun, even though at its time is re- it's very repetitive with kill trash mobs. But you're also working to get um, to basically their ability system is kind of neat because basically they're not really abilities. You're, there are abilities, but you're learning. Um, you're, you're basically becoming one with the shell you're in. If, if that's, you know, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Basically you're learning, you have to learn like the shell's name and you get, then you can unlock all the abilities from it by spending your tar, you know? So it's got some really cool concepts, but it's not designed for players who just don't like to put their nose on the grindstone and treat this like a job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think a, you know, a, introductory introductionary mission of some sort you know giving you some ideals on what the controls do on how the you know how to use the hardening it doesn't tell you anything about the hardening nick is the one who told me about it uh it doesn't give you you know any idea of what the controls are or how to do anything which like you said is that type of game but i think if they want to expand it out they they put a they put a me difficulty level into this thing, and you know a little bit of introductory stuff to you know familiarize the player with the controls and the type of game that it is. And I think if they'd have do if they'd have done that, this game would really be just fantastic. Right. Yep. It's a beautiful game. Plays great. Has a great concept, in my opinion. Um, just it's a little bit more difficult for me um, than I think it needs to be, but you know, at the same time, I haven't put enough time in, you know, after me and Nick have played, I've only attempted to tackle Griska maybe one more time. And it's not like he's killed me. I just got to the point where I'm like, he's about to kill me. I need to run away. And and another thing that we haven't talked about about this game is the it has a little bit of a forgiveness, if you will, because it allows you to basically die once getting knocked out of your shell and being able to recoup your shell and and either keep fighting or or, or get out of there. You know, so I kind of like that ability because Griska, you know, I've, I've gone in there a few more times and, I, and I've gotten him down about halfway or three quarters. And then he knocks me out of my shell. And I if, depending on how brave I feel, I'm like, do I stay in here and try to tackle that last quarter off? And, and at this point, I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to run away and, 
and get <laughs> my uh, second second life back because I'm sitting on like 1,200 or or almost 2,000 you know tar, and I want to get enough to buy another or to get another ability for my character, you know? Yeah, and like you were saying, um, they do have that mechanic where if you do die, you don't just die the first time around. It's basically it knocks you out of your shell. So your your initial character that you start with, not heroes, but your 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 parasite or your your inner being, basically that you start with, um, he gets knocked out of the shell, which gives you a chance that you can either fight as him, which he doesn't have a lot of health, but he does have quite a bit of stamina, um, or you can run back into your shell. And once you do, you just hit A <clears throat> for the Xbox version, or I'm sure X for the PlayStation version. To get back into your shell. And once you do, you have full health again. So you do have a second chance to fight an enemy or, or uh, an encounter again. Now, once you die the second time, um, you do die, and that's and it respawns you uh, back to one of the sisters, which is one of the NPC characters that you can buy upgrades and, and, and things for your character. Speaking of that, uh, just to go back to the shells for a minute, um, speaking of the shells earlier, when we were talking about the different types of shells and what they can do, uh, Haros, is, which is the first shell you'll find, he's more of uh, a lot of his abilities are centered around the hardening effect, uh, being able to uh, get your hardening back quicker because the hardening is on a cooldown. So he has a lot of abilities that kind of help him get that back quicker, uh, being able to take more damage when you're hardened because you can take more than one hit depending on uh, your abilities and things with hardening and the type of monsters that you're fighting. So a lot of his abilities are for that. Um, Teal, which is the rogue type character, a lot of his abilities that he can unlock are uh, revolve. Most of them revolve around his stamina and be able to keep that stamina. So uh, Teal was my second favorite um, out of the four he didn't have a lot of health, but I felt like I could get in there and attack and get out without really getting hit. Um, he's his uh, dodges and and that miss dodge that he does, which looks really cool, was allows him to get in and out of combat without taking any damage. Uh, Solomon, like I said, he has the most resolve, which is the weapon abilities. So a lot of his Abilities that you can buy for him resolve, revolve around those resolve and keeping resolve and, and getting your resolve back because you do lo you do lose resolve when you use your weapon abilities. So you know maxing him out is really the ability to spam your weapon abilities, which are heavy hitting attacks. And then Elderum, which I use the most, uh, a lot of his abilities are keeping uh, getting him extra health, even though he has a giant health bar to begin with. And also, he has a really cool ability, which is a damage um, multiplier, uh, which can go up to 100. Every enemy that you kill, it goes up by one. So you kill 100 enemies, you go around and kill a bunch of trash mobs, and you can have uh, your attack times 100 for for him. I don't know how they – I'm not sure how that – you know, each marker goes. I don't know if it's just one as far as, you know, his attack plus one. Or if it's just a percentage, I'm not quite sure. They don't really lay that out. But, you know, with his maxed out damage multiplier, the lower trash mobs, you can pretty much one-shot all of them. And that's that's a really cool effect for him. So what I wanted to go to next was um, kind of talk about the story a little bit and some of the in-game stuff 
Before I go there, does anybody have anything else they wanted to say about this game as far as their experience or as far as the beginning of the game before we run into that area? Uh, nope. I'm just going to wait and see uh, when I when I see the first player do the, the no-shell run <laughs> in this game. <laughs> somebody's, you know somebody's working on trying to do a oh, no-shell run. I'm sure they already have. There's actually a mode in the game. At the beginning of the game, there's an area that you can go to where you can pretty much – you find this shrine where you can take this parasite or something and you inject it in your your non-shelled body, right? And it turns your character because your character, your your shelled or non-shelled character is pretty much like a blue tint. And then when you use this, it turns your character into a blackish tint. And what that does is it makes it where you cannot combine with any shells. And it actually turns it into hard mode where you have to beat the entire game with just the parasite parasitic body and not the shelled body. Yeah, the, the foundling, I think is what they're called. Foundling, I think is what they are. Foundlings, be. but yeah. Yeah, that ain't so that's happening. It. So I kind of <laughs> wonder if they're gonna put that game mode in there. Does the foundling then gain abilities to spend tar on, or at that point there's just nothing? You just don't gain abilities. Because I actually not even looked and attempted to approach a sister without a shell on. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought about trying because there is on the Xbox, there is, and I'm sure on PlayStation as well, there is an achievement for that, for beating the game using that mode with no shell. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering you know, how that works if there is any abilities. I, I suspect there is no abilities. You just go through the game as your just your non-shelled aspect. That'd, but that'd be pretty tough. It would be. Yeah, that's almost pass what on it. it. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much like one hit kill on your character. So <clears throat> that would make it that would turn it into extra hard mode. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that would be interesting. But yeah, I I would say this this game, in my opinion, at first to me wasn't worth thirty dollars. And after talking to Nick and learning a few little tips and tricks, uh, I would definitely have said this was worth thirty bucks to me. Yeah, I think I definitely think it's worth the price. Um, so now we're going to go, I'm going to go, well, for me, since I've completed the game and I'm not sure if these guys are going to complete the game or not. I know Patrick's going to play some more, but I think Shane's pretty much probably done with it. Oh yeah. Uh, I am going to, <laughs> I am going to go into the more spoiler type of area. So, you know, if this is a part that, you know, I am going to talk more about the in game portions and just kind of want to have, so if there's something you don't want to listen to, I guess stop the stop the video or stop the podcast now but just a warning so this game is pretty much um they don't you know even like dark souls dark souls there is a lore and there is a story but for dark souls it's one of those things and i felt you know i've beaten all three dark souls games and I feel like even in those along as far as the story goes i get somewhat of an idea of a story uh, if you go look online and kind of look at the lore and stuff, and there's a lot of things to read in Dark Souls and kind of with the cutscenes and the, what NPCs say, where you can get a lot of the story from it. But if you really want to follow that stuff and know the lore, um, that's what you have to do in Dark Souls. And then for this game, it's the same type of thing. You really got to list the NPCs and there's uh, inscriptions to read and things like that. It really will tell you what the story is about. So... As far as what the story's about, I really couldn't tell you uh, what it was centered around. Um, as far as I know, you're basically a shell coming into this world. You're kind of coming from the afterlife, it would seem, into this kind of crazy, mixed-up world. And basically, inside the tower, which is 
when you start the game, you uh, after the tutorial area, you come out into this big open uh, wilderness type of area that has a tower in the center. And that tower is kind of your base. That's where one of the sisters is and the merchant where you can buy stuff. And there's this big dude in the center of the tower called the Grandfather, I think, or something like that. And he basically tells you to go find these these well they're not they don't call them souls but they're basically souls they're they're glands is what they call them glands the so he tells you to go find these glands the glands are in the in the dungeons there are three dungeons in the game and they're all connected to the area that you start in the the wilderness area you can go to any one of these areas first so it doesn't matter which one you go to first there's the caverns um, there's the shrine of ash and then the last one is the Seal of Infinity, I think it is, is the name of it. So pretty much, the for me, the Caverns was the easiest, and that's the first one I hit. It's a, it's a really cool place. It's underground. There's a little cavernous area. There's a couple of uh, – once you go through the first area, you fight a boss, which is another Grishka, but he's, uh, he's all chained up and imprisoned. He's got this big metal cage on his head and stuff, and then it's kind of icy in there, so – Ice spikes fall from the sky occasionally when he does certain moves. Uh, it's a bigger area than the first Grisha you fight, which is a smaller cave-type area uh, in the in the main uh, area of the game. <clears throat> Once you go through him and fight him, you actually go into another part, which is this snowy kind of uh, castle-looking area. Uh, there's a lot of uh, boss, uh, in, uh, enemies that have sword and uh, flails, and a lot of ghosts that are in this area. So you make your way through there, and then you finally get to the end of it. Once you get to the end of it, you have to fight a boss of the area. You drink this weird potion or something, and then you, it puts you into the afterlife portion, or the where you start in the game pretty much, and you fight that enemy. Uh, the first enemy was... Who was he? He was a guy... I'm trying to think of what the first enemy was. I can't even remember. Now, not very memorable, was he? Uh, but you basically fight him. He was actually pretty easy. So uh, you fight him in the afterlife area. And when you fight the enemy bosses there, you actually have to fight him twice. So you fight him once, and you and you when it's their health depleted, they have a full boss health bar. Once that's complete, uh, depleted, they do some sort of move to shrug it off, and then they come back. And when they come back, they actually have a different move set. And they do different stuff. And then you have to find them again and kill them. Once you kill them the second time, you come back to where you drank the elixir that was there in the room. And there's usually like a body or some sort of grotesque thing there where you pull the gland out. Now, this is a really cool aspect of the game. Once you pull the gland out, the dungeon that you're in gets all dark. And the gland glows red, which is almost acts like a flashlight. So you have to kind of use the red glow of the gland to find your way out. I mean, you can still see, but everything's just darker. And the dungeon changes. It, it doesn't really change in a sense of, um, of it being different, but you have to traverse back. And when you're traversing back through the dungeon, you're going a completely different route. You're, you're kind of going back in the same direction, but it takes you in different in a different route to make it out to the end. So you're fighting different. Sometimes you're most of the time you're fighting different enemies than that, than what you fought when you came in. And then once you made your, made your way out, you find that you're actually in 
the mist world. So there's two different worlds. There's the regular world and the mist world. And that mist world is when you get one of the glands. Once you go out to the main woodland area, all the enemies have turned into these. There's these one enemies in the game that kind of look like vampires, sort of that jump and they when they attack you with their claws, they poison you and they'll jump and bite your neck and uh, they can be a pain in the butt. And basically they're all over the place. So you got to make your way back to the tower. Once you make your way back to the tower, you give the gland to the grandfather. He takes it and tells you to go to the next one. And then basically you go to the next one, which is the, in my case, I went to the Shrine of Ash. Again, same concept. You go through the Shrine of Ash. You fight the enemy. The enemy was this really cool, like, big dude that breathes fire and has this big molten club. Um, and, and again, you got to fight him twice. And then... Again, you got to traverse out of the Shrine of Ash with the gland, and it's all dark, and it's a whole different route that you came in from, and then you, you got to go back to the tower again. And then, the, again, it repeats itself. The Shrine of, uh, of Infinity is the same way. The Shrine of Infinity is probably the hardest one. Uh, it's probably the longest dungeon and probably the hardest one. It has the most, the hardest NPCs and probably the most NPCs. And it's a wide open area compared to the Shrine of Ash and compared to the caverns. It's big, huge, sprawling areas. And then the, uh, the, uh, boss for that area is pretty cool. It's like a, uh, a dude that he's all red and he has a spear and a shield. And then he has another guy that's, they're twins basically, but they're intertwined. So the other one's head is come protruding out of the the main one's chest. And uh are you playing total it, recall here? All right. Yeah, it almost <laughs> seems that way. But uh so yeah, it almost seems that way, but uh yeah, it was pretty cool. And then when you leave there again, it's the same thing. You take the shard back. And once you take the shard back to the grandfather the third time, you take the third shard back uh and give it to him. You pretty much he thinks he's going to ascend to to heaven or ascend to whatever, right? Um, what happens is he ends up going to the Fade or, or, or wherever you start at the beginning of the game, whatever that they call that. It's kind of like this, almost looks like Limbo or something. Uh, he basically goes there, and you go there, and then you have to fight him. So you fight him. In that one, that boss, though, which is the last boss of the game, you don't have to fight him twice. Uh, he's a lot bigger than any of the bosses you fought. He's not too difficult, but he does a lot of moves that that keep a distance between you and him. So you spend most of your time trying to run up on him. He does do some jumping attacks that where he'll come in close, but it, it's kind of annoying that sense where he'll come in close and he'll swipe a few times and he'll jump way far back where you can't get to him. And he does his uh, tidal wave move where he pushes the because you're in an area with water and he pushes his tidal wave which pushes your character back. So it keeps you away from the boss for a lot of the fight, but he wasn't too difficult to fight compared to some of the other ones. Um, and that's where the game pretty much is. Well, Nick, you're not instilling a lot of confidence that I'm going to be able to get through any of these dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> Beating them twice, it's hard enough to get one of them, one of the non-bosses down, the mi- what they call the, the minor bosses, like the Griska and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not ha- don't have too much faith now. <laughs> Yeah, they're not, they're not too difficult, especially like I say, once you learn the mechanics and stuff, um, they're not too difficult. And, and fighting the bosses twice, which which was, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting that, with, especially with the first boss. But 
Um, I got through all the bosses with no problem. I killed him the first time, except for the last one in the Seal of Infinity. I had to fight him twice. Um, and I almost had him the first time. I just was doing something stupid. But And that's pretty much the game. And it just, but it's, you know, compared to the price, it, like Patrick said, it's not a very long game uh, compared to Dark Souls. Dark Souls can be, you know, even all, all three Dark Souls can be a pretty pretty long. Um, I'm sure if you're speed running, they're probably not that long. But for an average person, they're a pretty long game. Uh, this one wasn't that long, but it's definitely a really good Dark Souls type game. And I'm looking forward to this indie company making more of these games or maybe even Immortal Shell 2. And hopefully they'll have some more funding to make a even bigger and longer game. Well, cool. I definitely think this company's got a lot of talent. I mean, as much as the game pains me when I play it because of the difficulty, I really do love everything else about it. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, it's a, good a beautiful game. game. I mean, as far as graphics, you know, compared to uh, Hellpoint, which is also an indie developer, uh, graphically, Mortal Shell is it looks really nice. Um, so, so here's a question. So you so you get the you get the heart or whatever the the thing you get. If you die before you make it back to the to the tower, do you lose it and have to go re-get it again? You do not. You just respawn okay. at the sister, and you have to go through the area again. And when you respawn at the sister, of course, all the enemies respawn. So, all right, but you still have the the ability still have, item that you got out of the dungeon. Yes, you still okay. have the item. Okay, so really, the big, the best part about the uh, the coming out into the the fog is that you get to open up all the chests that are running that are between you and there, or however long you want to run around and try to open all the chests. Yes, and that's another thing I didn't mention. I'm glad you brought it up. There are some chests that you'll find out. They kind of look like frog statues, but they're chests that are, are scattered around the main area of the game. Uh, and the only way to open those is when you're in the fog. When you come out of the dungeons, you are in the fog, so you can open those chests. Once you come out of your first dungeon in the tower, a new NPC appears. And this new NPC, I believe, allows the fog to come on its own. So you can pretty much use him to turn the fog on if you wanted to. When the fog is on, besides those vampires monsters, the Grishka that you were talking about that's in the cave at the beginning, there's actually two of those roaming around in the fog area. If you want to go fight them. Oh, great. Two of them. Not one, but two. <laughs> two of them. They're in separate areas, but yeah, there's two of them. Until that one happen chance time where you're in the middle of the map and they wandered over there and together, you know, <laughs> the midnight rendezvous and you're caught in the middle. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it's a really cool, it's a really cool game. A lot of, a lot of cool aesthetics and a lot of cool visuals. Uh, there's a, one area called the bat cave or not bat cave, but it's a bat tree or something like that. It's this giant tree with a bunch of giant bats hanging from it. <clears throat> which was the which is in the normal area but it's this when you first go there it's scary because you think oh no these bats are gonna come kill me but you know, unfortunately they don't move they just right they're yeah. there for I visual thought, i thought the same thing i skirted around that big circular area i'm like if i get close to the middle those bats are gonna fall down on me kind of like what i did with the frog i'm like i'm gonna ignore this frog because he's a big guy and he's gonna just he's just gonna mess me up and then you walk by and he just wants to talk yeah, yeah, there's a giant frog in the game, too, in the main area, and uh, he does look menacing, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't do anything. You can talk to him, and I'm not sure what he does. Um, 
from what I've read, he turns your music off. I, I really don't know. But I, but if you do attack him, a bunch of poison little poison frogs come and hurt you. So he pretty much just is there for I don't know what his purpose is. I, I, I suspect maybe he has something to do with maybe some DLC down the line or something. But I'm not sure. All right. Do you, do you guys have any other questions about this game or any other comments you want to make? Uh, how I, I, in the heck do you have that much patience? <laughs> I just got can't the patience of a saint. He's a masochist. Oh, yeah. You know who's got you know leather and barbware in the closet? You know, compared to all these types of games that are Dark Souls-inspired, um, uh, the ones I've completed, Dark Souls 1 was definitely the hardest. Uh, Nio, which is on the PlayStation 4, which is very Dark Souls-inspired, that game was hard. I don't even beat. I have Nio one and two, and I've played through quite a bit of them, but I have not completed either one of them. And those games are just difficult. They're they're not <laughs> like difficult to the point of being like punishing. It's just they can just be difficult at times, especially some of the bosses. But they're still fun games. No, it definitely sounds like you know that's a great game for people with patience. Uh, I, on the other hand, am not a person with patience. Yeah, I don't think I would have the patience to beat the game, but I do have patience to make it a decent chunk through there. You know, I'm, I'll probably be able to eventually take down a boss or two and, and go through at least one dungeon, but I won't have the patience to beat it unless something just clicks in my brain to where I, I the mechanics just click for me and I can just run through it without without dying or without having frustrations. Well, like I said, you know, like a lot of these games and Dark Souls inspired games, they're very mechanical and you have to learn a lot of things about them and kind of learn the game to to be able to master but um you know i find them fun and you know some other people out there will find them fun and some people will find them frustrating like you guys do so you know (laughs) it is what it is everyone has their own type of games that they like but yeah that was uh mortal shell i think it's a great game i think it's worth picking up especially for the 30 dollar price point and especially if you like these types of games if you like the Dark Souls or the Nio, uh, or Neo, I don't know how to say it, but, uh, or even Hellpoint type of games where they're kind of they're difficult and you kind of learn the mechanics, this is definitely one to pick up, and I would definitely highly recommend it.